Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented in part by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to tell them Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer, Diego Vasco, been instructed to bring you an amulet. Oh, yes! We believe that this particular item may serve as a key to the chambers that they are currently excavating. As we were excavating, we came to an interesting location, one with markings that match this medallion. Definitely Githzerai origins, abjuration magic. Perhaps it's a vault. My colleagues have been following the Githzerai, Ezerath. I must be permitted below to see it. She might want something from that vault. Why do you care so much? We don't know what our people were doing here. It was demanded of me that I recover this information. My name is Cyrus Thalamir. You were found on this moon, or at least this ring was. You remember how it all ended? Below this small town was an entire colony of mind flayers. leveled up mm-hmm. yeah it's a good time cool so um let's jump into this episode that probably won't have any combat in it <laughs> cool I'll, I'll just see i can now like move a willing creature 30 feet so even if it's not combat i'm sure that that will come in use just let ravness eat people left and right uh-huh. <laughs> And I'm sure Marco picked up all of the utility spells. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, well, that settles it. That, I was about to say they can be used as utility spells. So, I mean, is murdering people a utility? Tanner is like very quickly erasing stuff on his sheet. Uh, yeah. But I grabbed like summon elemental because I thought that'd be fun. So elementals could be used for a number of different things. Huh. I... I heard that as salmonella lentil (laughs) and like it like hit my brain so weird. And I'm like, what on earth is Tanner talking about? (laughs) It's a spell where you rub raw chicken on some beans and then throw them at the enemy. Oh, shit. Just trick the enemy into eating raw cookie dough. (laughs) You got to heat treat your flour. (laughs) Of course, uh, Luckbeak now has Action Surge, because that's certainly something he needs and will use in this game. <laughs> you know, with Luckbeak being a rogue uh, and him Action Surging, uh, he can now run if he really wanted to, if there was something very scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> right. Uh, what's your base movement? Is, is your base movement speed 30? Uh, it's 25. 25. So 25 
50, 75, yeah, 100 feet. Nice. All right. <laughs> In a I single turn, if that you, <laughs> if something's very scary and you wanted to get away, you could use all of your available actions to run. You have concreted my action surge for the rest of the game. Thank you. It will always be used to run in the opposite direction. So, well. Um, I'm going to pretend like I remember what happened. It's fine. We talked to a lich. We talked to a lich. Like the Marco talked to a lich the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was basically the episode. Rolla got laid. <laughs> That's right. Wait, Bra- Rolla got laid? By Uncle, Uncle Cool Guy. What? Yeah, Uncle Moonhammer <laughs> gave you... gave her the Moonhammer. Oh, is that I... how we were supposed to read that? I did not think it was subtle. No, oh. it wasn't. Oh yeah, no, that was <laughs> Tanner called it out. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought that Tanner was kidding. No. <laughs> yeah, no. We... I took my shot, and so did Moonhammer. Damn. Oh. Wow. wow. <laughs> you sound so sad. <laughs> okay, I, I, I guess the Ravnus didn't get that either then. See, Brawl is always like that. It was <laughs> It was the shame. The shame of Moonhammer. <laughs> they were putting their clothes back on when you like walked in. <laughs> okay, yeah. I did catch that Brawla was doing that, but that's not like weird for Brawla. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it totally tracks that that Ravnus totally wouldn't have picked up on that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she tries. Oh, poor baby Ravnus. Uh-huh. So. But yeah, then you guys finally left the mine. You packed up on the storm rig with Gadmund and his crew of dwarves and headed on out back into the storm once more. The storm rig rolls back out out of this tunnel into the storm, and you know you have a two-day journey until you get back to Storm's Eye so that the gnomes can swap cores again so you can make it all the way to Storm's Edge where the Voidfarer will be picking you back up. You see that Gadmund and his crew of dwarves are settling in. They've made the cargo area down below kind of this just like makeshift hangout spot. What little bit of cargo is here, they've kind of rearranged to make some makeshift furniture and they're just kind of lounging about. Locke is maintenancing his guns as usual and Brawla seems to be hanging out down with the dwarves as well. You get the distinct impression she's probably going to hit on each one in turn throughout the course of the journey. Line up, boys. <laughs> <laughs> the line starts here. <laughs> Chins up, trousers down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> there was a line there, Tanner. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. You just yeeted on past. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brohane, uh, Brohane seems to be settling in as well. Um, he definitely seems very relieved to be leaving this place. And the gnomes are are uh, kind of running about maintenancing little things here or there for the storm rig. Camshaft is driving at the moment. So um, as you guys settle in, is there anything in particular you guys want to do? Not really. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, Marco is spending most of his time using Tashi as a beanbag um, and just going over his uh, notes that he got from the Lich and also like working in his uh, major spell book for his new stuff. Is Tashi tiny, according to, like, when he's in the hamster form, like the small hamster form? he's in hamster form, form he's, he's a tiny creature. He's the size of a normal hamster. Okay. And I squeakers Tim, so... Now he's the size of a grizzly bear. Okay. <laughs> he, he went <laughs> Is... from hamster to Volvo very quickly. Okay. Is he large size, then? He would be large sized, yes. Okay. 
just asking for um, some powers that I gained. <laughs> Are you going to try to yeet Tashi? If he's tiny, I can like yeet him into my hand if he's willing. That is Which amazing. I think would be really cute. Can you, just like a like you know pokeball go but but toshi you can, yeah. can can you yeet him and then while he's in the air he squeakers and then <laughs> just like a flying oh. 300 he just needs missile. to hear the command word yeah, that dude. is a that yeah. is a hell that's a sweet combo move. i just i invented the fastball special in D. yeah you don't need to uh <laughs> you don't need to be like in contact with tashi to get him to change sizes you just got to say the command <laughs> word so <laughs> this Ravna has so should, much potential <laughs> Ravna should talk with marco and we're gonna work out a uh we're gonna work out a combo move there <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I guess that that's what Ravnus and Marco are doing. They're they're working out the Tashi eating plans. You're going to make PETA very upset. <laughs> Space hamster rights. All right. So, um, yeah, Marco, you're doing that. I, I missed it. Luckbeak and Ravnus, did you say what you guys were doing or just, just chilling? Uh, Talking so- to Marco about space hamster stuff. Got it. Um. Are we talking about immediately or during the journey? Because uh, during the journey, I'm going to try to practice more with Locke. Right. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, Locke is there if you wanted to go talk to him uh, right off the bat. Mm, We're not friends. I mean, we don't. (laughs) We're not friends. (laughs) I don't think he's friends with anyone, is he? Probably not. Hey, how was your day, Locke? That would feel weird to me. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think that more people like actively dislike Locke than are like friends with him which is to say Ravnus doesn't like him and no one else is friends with him (laughs) right well and I mean that also tracks like considering the fact that he is like a deplorable outcast in the eyes of his entire race (laughs) details (laughs) so um while you're having a conversation, Marco and Ravnus, about Tashi and potential psionic-infused wombo combos, uh, <laughs> Marco, you hear something in the back of your head. Um, this architecture is very interesting. Um, Wait a minute. What, what happened? What are you... We're, we're in a device called a storm rig. We're, we're heading back to... Uh... I'm, I'm familiar with the storm rig. I was on it once before. A moment ago, we were down in the initial chambers of Archon Nasticia's sanctum. We, and now suddenly I'm here with no recollection of what happened. Um, that is exceptionally odd. We left Nasticia's uh, chambers. We came back up top towards the uh, mining company's company town, and then we got back on the storm rig and left. Uh, it's been like almost a full like 24 hours since you like left that chamber because you guys came back up. Oh. Uh, it, it took a few hours to travel back up to the surface and then you slept all night and then the storm rig took off in like mid midday the next day. Is everything okay in there? I mean, it's been a it's been about 24 hours since since we left um, the Archon's chambers. Um, strange. It's like my perceptions and communications and even awareness within the ring was suddenly blocked 24 hours yes well at least it's not 10,000 years um yes i'm <laughs> still very much alive so that's a good thing um 
you have you had any problems with that in the in the in the company town in the mining and like the Moonhammer Mining Company since we've been there? Anything no, like I've, that? I've been aware of, of everything that that you've been doing since you put on the ring and your Doha companion before that. Oh, that is exceptionally odd. Um, I wonder if some residual magic left over from the Archon's habitation of her sanctum so many years ago could have potentially affected the ring. What did you, what did you discover there? Um, um, and I'm going to kind of explain to him and summarize this very quickly. Um, yeah. That the events of last episode, like we met the Archon right. alive and lick, lick, lich form. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then go into the Lyce- uh, Lyceum Iconis and Nafagos and then um, Adam Rain. Got it. The Archon is still alive as a lich. I was not expecting that. Neither was I, and also apparently the uh, reason for the storm's existence. That explains some things. Um, <sighs> I wish I would have had the opportunity to speak with her. She may have had the access to magic that could have restored my body. Well, we're still in communication with her. We might be able to arrange something to that effect here soon. All right. Do not worry. This is not a one and done. We did not somehow slay a lich, though I doubt we have the capacity to do that. Um, but... He's going to say, it does concern me, though, that if Archon Nasticia was still alive, perhaps the blocking of my awareness in her sanctum was intentional. May I make an insight check just to err, like... Any sort of check to see if that sounds about right, that checks out? Um, or yeah, an yeah. arcana check to see if there is magic that allows for that? Um, well, you would know that there's definitely magic that could do that. Um, yeah. But uh, you can make an insight check. Okay. Recalling your interactions with Nasticia. Just to see if uh, that sounds like a plausible explanation. Oh, shit, that's a nat 20, so that's 28. Oh, sorry, 24. 24 okay yeah she's very hard to read and you're trying to recall a conversation that happened the day prior um you definitely know that she was not telling you everything if you recall she pointedly refused to answer your one question about what one chamber in her sanctum was for which appeared to be another teleport platform and it's fully within the realm of possibility that she has other machinations at play Okay. Um, as for why she would specifically block the perceptions of former associate of hers, it's unknown. Or maybe she didn't even know it was Cyrus and was just doing something as a normal precaution. Other divination magic may not have worked from there either. There's a lot of possibilities and all of them are equally plausible. Yeah, I'm picking that up. Um, so I think I'm going to say to Cyrus, um... I think that it's well within the realm of possibility. However, there's so many potential variables. I can't see why she would block you out intentionally. And I'm sorry, I didn't exactly... At the time I was staring down a lich, I didn't exactly uh, think about how you would be affected by that situation. It's all right. Um, 
it doesn't appear there was a whole lot we could have done about it anyway. But the fact that you're still in contact is promising. And if we're going to the Lyceum Arcanus, um, perhaps we may find answers to my predicament there. It was a bastion for Kratorian knowledge and research. Um, if anything has survived from there, it may be very useful in more ways than one. Well, I certainly expect that to be the case. I mean, there's so much knowledge that could be uncovered there. I think we could easily get your body back and then a couple of other bodies to boot. Mm -hmm. Ravnus, Marco has suddenly just stopped mid-conversation with you, and his eyes seem to have glazed over for like a solid minute and a half. Yeah, I, I, was, I was just about to ask if he was talking out louder in his head. I think that I would have... Uh... I would have kept my mouth shut and just talked in my head. So, <laughs> and so Ravnus, you think he might be having a stroke? <laughs> and Marco's not one to uh, remember to reassure the person he's having a conversation with. What's going on? She is going to um, kick him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ah, oh, sorry, um, Ravnus. Um, you okay? Yes, uh, Cyrus was. Uh, communicating with me and it was a very uh, poignant conversation about our time with uh, Archon Nasticia. I'm, I'm so sorry. Is that the voice in the ring or whatever? Oh, uh, yes, that is Cyrus. Uh, I do believe um, an elven man from way before whenever Kratoria was still in existence. Uh, has a lot of valuable information, but for some reason, while in Archon Ostisius Chambers, uh, even though he is in communication with me and can kind of tell his surroundings, apparently he does not recall the last 24 hours. That's weird. I thought so too, hence why I suddenly dropped out of our riveting conversation about how best to use Tashi here in a way of crushing our enemies, and instead talk with Cyrus for a moment. Tashi, like, oh. perks up slightly at the sound of his name. It's like, oh, good good Aww. boy. Good boy, Tashi, as I scratch around his ears. It is okay. Oh, Simba's here, which is, like, my corollary. <laughs> like, Give Simba oh. a kiss for me. I will. Um, so, yeah, I, like, scratch Tashi around the ears. Like, it's a good job, Tashi. You just go back to sleep now. Keep being my beanbag. <laughs> <laughs> Tashi's so cute. Um, <laughs> so do you need to keep talking to him? I think we're okay for now, or at least our conversation has, uh, ran its course. Okay. So, e so either way, the Tashi bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys go return to your plans and logistics for this grand scheme. <laughs> And you guys continue to ride. Um, after a little while, Luckbeak, uh, Locke will actually approach you. Okay. And whatever it is you're doing, uh, you could be down hanging out with the dwarves um, who are just kind of like, you know, laughing and joking and conversing with each other down below or hanging out with uh, the gnomes or Brohane or wherever you want to be right now. Uh, Luckbeak is hanging out in uh, in his sort of uh, area where people sleep uh, and he's got a notebook open and uh, he's commanding his quill to write dirty limericks and then chuckling at them. Uh, 
Got it. So yeah, it's like the kind of like you found a little secluded corner of the cargo hold, just keeping to yourself and uh, Locke will come up to you and kind of stooping to enter the cargo hold. He usually stays up on top uh, and he'll go, oh, there you are. No, oh, uh, uh, hey, Locke, how's it going? Fine. Okay. Here. And he like tosses a rolled pack at you. And when you catch it, there's like a clink of metal. And you recognize this as Locke's gun maintenance kit. And then he unholsters one of his pistols and flips it in his hand, pommel first towards you and says, since you're not doing anything productive, disassemble that and reassemble it and then come see me. And he turns to start walking away. All right. Not doing anything productive. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to hear him hear my poem. There once was a man from Glyph who had a tiny fist. Not worth going into the rest of it. All right, fine. I'll clean your guns. (laughs) What kind of skewed rhyme was that? (laughs) Listen. (laughs) The best kind. Uh, (laughs) It's called uh, artist symmetry. Which is a term I just made up, but I am an artist, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yet, yet you criticize Scriv. <laughs> I don't criticize. I love that little joke he made about the peas and the honey. That was hilarious. <laughs> love that the one joke. I didn't write. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I liked it. Uh, okay. I didn't uh, write it either. <laughs> all of Scriv's I don't write either. They're like they. I found a procedurally generated poetry quote unquote. Oh, that's neat. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> you could have helped uh, me out that one time, Nicholas. You made me Google it instead. I, I, you know. How dare. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So um, Locke has given you no instructions. He just gave you the tools and one of his guns. Um, so if you'd like, uh, this would be once you get the gunslinger stuff. Yeah. Um, a tinkering tools check. Uh, oh, okay. But since you don't have that, you can just make a straight dexterity roll. Or if you have thieves tools, you can make a thieves tools check. Uh, let's see. I believe I have thieves tools. Um, yep, thieves tools. So, uh, sorry, what what check do I make with thieves tools? It, just a thieves tool check, um, which you are proficient, I would imagine, also as a rogue. Proficiency. Plus Dex. Plus Dex. Got it. Okay, cool. Alrighty. Or I could just look up a tutorial on YouTube. Uh, I got a 16. 16. Yeah, not too bad. You definitely disassemble everything. You're pretty sure you find all the little components. Uh, it doesn't help that the whole storm rig is is bouncing around as you guys roll through the storm. But you do manage to get everything disassembled and get all the pieces laid out in front of you. And then trying your best to remember where everything goes, it's time to reassemble the gun. Okay. So if you'd like, go ahead and make another check. Oh, boy. All right. These are two checks. Rolling again. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's an 18, even better. Okay. All right. So yeah, you you get it all together. You get almost done and you you realize there's a, a part missing, but you catch it and you remember exactly where it goes. So you're able to make sure everything gets locked in there and you're pretty sure uh, you have done it correctly. Okay, cool. Um, did he say to return it to him? You know what? I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to do it again. I think that was kind of thrilling for him, and he's going to mm-hmm. to just make sure that he has it down so that if Locke asks him to do it on the spot, he's not going to get caught off guard. I don't know if it's worth another sure. roll or two, but... Uh... Um, no, I don't think yeah, so. Okay. I think I think with those high rolls, like you've, you've gotten it down, and it's not perfect because you're still learning, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's... 
it's taken you a while, <laughs> a good couple hours, mm-hmm. probably just to get it disassembled and reassembled. Uh, but you're confident that first try you did it correctly. And then you do it a couple more times and just familiarizing yourself with where the components go and even how things start to work, opening it up and seeing how like the different gears and stuff work when you pull the hammer back and what rotates the chamber and all of that stuff. Um, basically getting an understanding of how of how it works. And you can get it uh, disassembled and reassembled a couple times and it's just a little bit faster each time. All right. Uh, but yeah, you're pretty pretty sure you got it all figured out. So I return it to lock. All right, all right. I, I, I appreciate a good mystery just as much as anybody else. All right, so I'll tell you what I did. And I hand the gun and the tools back to him. I say, I cleaned your your Johnson rod and I rotated <laughs> your catalytic converter. And, now, I had to make up names for all these things because you didn't leave me no instructions, but uh, but it's all done. I drained your oil. (laughs) Topped off the headlight fluid. Uh, (laughs) Absentmindedly, he hands the pack back to you. He'll take the gun and he opens the magazine on it and loads a bullet. Then he reaches into his pocket and pulls out what looks like a spent bullet casing. He bites it, like kind of squishing the metal. And he puts that in the magazine behind the bullet and jams the magazine shut and fires off into nowhere suddenly and uh, you jump there's a big puff of smoke right in his hand he intentionally jammed the gun and he hands it back to you and goes now fix it all right fine jesus <laughs> i mean you I, I, now i'm gonna have to water the toe brace and i'm gonna have to check the grease <laughs> fine fine uh I, if you want to know how to use these things you got to know how to fix them okay uh I, and you got to know how to fix them while someone's shooting at you but i won't get to that just yet yeah thank you <laughs> all right <laughs> uh i grumble and then like i think like he he just like looks pissed at Locke as he like sits down on the ground with the kit and the gun but then like as he looks at the gun and starts to open it up he like grins a little bit and you could tell mm-hmm. that he's actually grateful for the uh for the experience yeah uh, go ahead and make me just another single uh, Thieves Tools check. Oh, 23. I'm actually getting better. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. So you get the impression that uh, had you just taken it apart the one time he asked you to and put it back together, you wouldn't have been able to figure out what's wrong. But the fact that you took the initiative to do it a couple different times mm-hmm. and not only understanding where the parts go, but how they work, you're able to open this thing up and immediately see the problem. You see that the spent uh, shell casing that Locke jammed in there knowing it would jam the gun has now lodged itself between the gears of the rotating magazine, kind of like even jamming the hammer up in a a position so it wouldn't engage. So you immediately see the problem and you get your tools in there and pry out that component and clean it, clean everything, get all the residue out because there's now black powder residue caked on the inside of the gun because it fired with nowhere to go. So you get it all clean and get it together. And it does take you a little bit of time, probably like another like 45 minutes to an hour, but you do it. And Locke this time, since you basically sat down right there, Locke is like just with his arms crossed watching you and he's just like kind of nodding to himself and he seems impressed. Okay. I hand it back to him and I say, listen, I shouldn't be the one telling you this, but you got to have respect for these things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then I and then I say uh, I say, is this a is this a spare kit? This this gun kit you got? It is. You can hang on to it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And then, you know, just like 
maybe in return for the lessons, if you ever need me to clean it or take it apart or whatever, you just let me know and I can do that. And I have my own kit now. Sounds like a good deal. Okay. All right. Ugh, you just, that's, you're nothing but trouble, Luck. <laughs> I, but he's like smiling. Like, thank you. Yeah. All right. He, he chuckles. And as you're walking away, he goes, you might be cut out for this after all, kid. <laughs> all right. I shoot him a sexy glance back. <laughs> I assume we're flirting at this point. No, I don't do that, obviously. <laughs> Another ship has sailed. <laughs> Lock single and ready to mingle. <laughs> Lockbeak is pretty good. Have we said Lockbeak before? I, I, I think yeah. we might have said that before. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We've at this said point? a lot of things on this podcast. <laughs> Every ship just devolves into turtle soup at some point. <laughs> it literally, literally and figuratively, it just all blends together oh. into one bubbling cesspool. <laughs> Listen, I want a shirt that says turtle soup. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea, get on that. Give us a turtle soup shirt. <laughs> Please, I will go broke buying them. I swear, I will be our ad revenue. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be like my gifts for the next like two years. <laughs> all my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cute special recipe. <laughs> I imagine it's a can that has like coot on it, like Chef Boyardee. Oh, <laughs> oh my that's <God>. perfect. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Chelsea. <laughs> Get on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, um,. You've been driving for a couple hours now, and you soon realize that you're getting to the point where there's the bridge, the moss band. Oh. And approaching it is marked by the noticeable deceleration of the storm rig. And uh, some of the dwarves kind of uh, look around and kind of curiously see what's going on and go back up to the deck to just kind of see what's up. Camshaft will uh, kind of shout over his shoulder. All right, uh, I don't need to remind you what happened last time, so uh, I guess keep your eyes peeled. <sighs> Please, where's Luckbeak? I don't want him to get snatched away by a dinosaur. <laughs> you could just throw Tashi at him, and that'll solve all the problems. <laughs> Tashi can't fly. With this new ability, we can get so many people on the dinosaur. <laughs> God, that's amazing. Yeah. So you begin to crawl. As you cautiously watch the skies, you don't see any sign of any winged threats. And the bridge slowly creaks and groans as it did last time as you crawl your way across. There's no undead on the bridge, thankfully. And as you begin approaching the other side, it appears that there is, in fact, no threat in the sky. But then Camshaft says, uh-oh, got something up ahead. Ah, fuck. And you guys look forward, and starting as a shadow in the storm, on the other side of the barrier generated by the storm rig, um, a very large mass that seems to be standing on the other side of the moss band at the end of the bridge. And as you crawl closer, the barrier envelops it so you can get a clear view. And standing 20 feet tall with three skeletal archers on its back, you see a skeletal Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, hey, it can't fly. Yeah. <laughs> so when we jump on this one, it can only get so far. 
And as you progress even closer to the end of the bridge, closer to this thing, there's another shadow that comes through the fog before it breaches the barrier. And there is a second skeletal Tyrannosaurus Rex itself with skeletal archers on its back. And both seem to be waiting for the storm rig to reach the other side of the chasm. Neat. Um, and, <laughs> and Camshaft goes, I can't stop on this bridge. Oh, all right. Somebody better get on the ballista. So uh, I'm assuming we're rolling initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and the ancient, the land, Strad von Zorovich. The new book coming out might not be Spelljammer, but man, do I still fucking love Ravenloft. Be sure to give us a follow on social media if you haven't already, at VoidfarerPod on Twitter and at VoidfarerPodcast on Facebook. If you really want to butter our toast, you'll leave a review on iTunes. Knowing what you think just makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside, and those ratings and reviews help others find the show. Come hang out with us at the Project Derailed Community Discord. We're cool. We promise. It's a great place to hang out and chat with us and the cast of the other great Project Derailed podcasts like Fables Around the Table, Big Streaming Pile, and Taverns, Travel, and Tests. We sometimes play games, do listen parties, and streams. Join in on the fun by going to bit.ly slash derailed hyphen discord. As always, there are some great Tales of the Voidfarer shirt designs available at the Project Derailed Redbubble store. Check it out at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Fables Around the Table Lost is in full swing, playing the beta version of Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition, which just successfully backed on Kickstarter. GM'd by her very own Fiona L.F. Kelly, the story follows 8-year-old Posey and her 13-year-old babysitter Odell as they get lost in the woods while trick-or-treating and transported to a mystical realm and meet a talking possum named Reggie, played by yours truly. Can they find their way home before the fiend finds them? Listen to Fables Around the Table Lost to find out. Also check out Taverns, Travel, and Tests, a D&D 5e podcast inspired by meme culture and the Food Network, DM'd by our good buddy Cliff. If you like memes, Guy Fieri, or memes about Guy Fieri, this D&D podcast is for you. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for writing our theme song, and shout out to the band Highland Rose for the kick-ass rock version of that theme we've been jamming to this chapter. Additional music provided by purple-planet.com. Every adventurer knows the kind of gear they put on their feet is incredibly important for their journeys ahead. That is why today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's has been crafting fine footwear for nearly 200 years, and always with a level of innovation and craftsmanship that will put your run-of-the-mill boots of elven kind to shame. We are teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you 30% off select items, including the iconic Clark's Desert Boot, by going to podgo.co slash clark's. That's podgo.co slash clark's. Desert boots? Hmm. They definitely grant plus one to constitution, and probably negate difficult terrain, and... The next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land in two weeks on Tuesday, March 16th. See you then. I'm ready to throw a fucking fireball, so let's do this. <laughs> the rig um, starts speeding up a little, just a little bit, uh, and the bridge groans 
as the rig starts closing the final gap to the end of the bridge. And you guys brace yourselves for these things to attack. And right as the storm rig reaches the end of the bridge, both T-Rexes step aside and the skeletal archers lower their bows. And Cam Chef goes, uh, well, I'm going to floor it. And he does. The storm rig lurches and you guys just roll on by. And these undead threats, these giant skeletal T-Rexes with with their empty eye sockets and massive banana sized teeth just slowly (laughs) watch you guys drive by without attacking. May I make an insight check to see if uh, this is our our lovely Archon Nystice is doing? Um, you don't need to make a check. Uh, you think that's likely. Okay, so uh, I watch that unfold. I just look over to Ravnus and say, I guess it helps to befriend a lich. I guess. I, well... <laughs> And then kind of looks over, looks at Ravnus, looks at the ballista, looks back at everybody else, and is just like, uh, onwards and upwards then, I suppose. <laughs> Yeehaw, as they say. Yeet. <laughs> yep. You guys continue onward. The sky begins growing darker as the conclusion of this first day of your two-day travel back to Storm's Eye comes to an end. And uh, as you guys get settled down, uh, the gnomes swap. Gasket takes over for camshaft at the wheel, and you guys kind of settle in. And at that point, uh, Gadmund will come up to you three and go, Oi, uh, my men and I uh, made some stew down below. Uh, If you want any, you can... Come down and help yourself. Sure. Well, thank you so much. What kind of stew, if I may ask? A little bit of everything. Whatever uh, we were able to uh, scrounge up on our way out of the mine. Uh, Well, thank you. It's appreciated. Our pleasure. You're getting us out of that hellhole. You know, we might not have technically been uh, enslaved, but it sure felt like it at times, especially the way we were treated. For a lot of us, this feels like the first bit of freedom that we had in a long time. I'm so sorry to ask and to potentially dredge up poor memories, but, uh... So, you all were laid off by the Moonhammer Mining Company, but this is akin to slavery. Um, I I guess I'm just kind of curious what was worse, getting laid off or, uh, losing employment. Getting laid off was just the most recent symptom of a long line of, uh, less than stellar accommodations i see sure when work was good we got paid well but we were on our own for a lot of uh necessities the Moonhammers require all of their workers to reside at the mine that's why that settlement was as large as it was but it's up to us to pay for our own accommodations pay our own provisions and when the Moonhammers laid everyone off They didn't give two shits that we were all stranded there now. I can see the problem. Besides having a very lax regard for many of the threats that lurked below, as you heard, it's a a long uh, history of treating their workers like shite. I see. Um, Well, um, that's the case, so I'm glad that you're finding work elsewhere, at least. Hopefully. Get off of this accursed rock, and uh, we'll see what uh, fortune has for us. A couple more days, you'll be free to, I guess, uh, sniff the air instead of the dirt. 
Well, I think all of us are pretty <laughs> fond of the dirt, but uh, the sentiment, at least, uh, is appreciated. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. We're, we're dwarves. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> probably Marco turns a little shade of red, not realizing what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they uh, they ladle a, uh, a bowl of stew for whoever wants it. It's pretty good. You definitely get the impression that it is just like chopped up potatoes and veggies and random meats that they just happen to have and it's cooked in a little pot that's on what appears to be a red crystal inlaid into like a metal brazier that seems to be the magical equivalent of like a little camping stove um i'm gonna look to ravness and luckbeak and just say is it just me or is anyone else feeling like a little nostalgic and desiring the little tiny cots that we had in the Void Fair right now? Man, I'd kill for a tiny cot right now. Even like a medium <laughs> cot would be okay, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm, it's been quite some time since we've been back on the Void Fair. I mean, not horrifically long, but I mean, we've been out here for a while. Yeah. We'll be back soon. What do you think the others have been up to while we've uh, been in this desert fighting off skeletons and God only knows what else? Oh, I'll bet you I know what Jack and Tatters has been up to. <laughs> and then the uh, the scene shimmers as uh, we, <laughs> I don't know, presumably do a family guy <laughs> cutaway to Jack and Tatters. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Jack and Tatters on all fours in mid-process of hacking up a furball. <laughs> Perfect. I don't, I don't know why, Which was not was... what anyone was thinking, but that's no. what's actually happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's for our ASMR listeners. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like uh, Jack and Tatters and like Scuttlebutt doing a waltz or some shit. God. They get classy whenever we're not around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brohane will say, oh, I'm sure uh, Val is keeping them all very busy. Well, I mean, she certainly kept us busy for a while, I'll say that much. What are we going to do about Val and, you know, what we learned? All right, that. I thought we were just going to tell her, right? I mean... I mean, I don't want to lie to my captain. I would hope. I say hope as I kind of look at Brohane, and you could, and Brohane can see it in my eyes that there is no hope, um, <laughs> that she'd be willing to at least let us go to the Lyceum Arcanus first, and then go to see if we can find something about her dad in Nafagos. But uh, ugh, I'm not very optimistic about that. Yeah, Brohane will nod and say, "No, I think she'll." Uh... She'll definitely be interested in the lead uh, that is related to Adam. Um, I can't really blame her for that, but uh, she is the captain. Yeah, I th I think we should tell her. I, as much as I find the Lyceum Iconis to be far more important, I can't lie to my captain. I, I mean, after everything that she has done for us, I it wouldn't be. It's also her father, so. I don't know. I guess it's not really much of a discussion. Yeah. All right. That's what we do then. I'll take a crack at trying to convince her that the Lycia Macanus is more important and also that Nefagos is not exactly going anywhere. And the odds are remote that Adam Rain is just sitting in there writing a book. But I don't know. The hope springs eternal, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. I mean, what? I don't, I don't know. They both seem like they're kind of things that need taken care of immediately, right? I mean, maybe Adam is on the run. 
I mean, I do find it weird that he hasn't been in touch with her and, and you know, maybe he's in trouble. He could be. Maybe downplay that one when we're talking to Val. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> but, I mean, it's possible. It also could be that he's just investigating whatever it is he's investigating and he got his clues in Nafagos and moved on. He could be anywhere by now. Who knows? He could be on Toro right now talking to Hannah. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, okay. I, I mean, here's a question I have. How... How old was Val when Adam left? Anybody know? It was only uh, three years ago. All right. All right. Well, never mind. I had this whole theory that maybe he's just a shitty dad, but actually he sounds like he's just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What you know about Val's history is that she grew up with her mom and then like ran away and joined her dad's pirate crew. Every kid's dream, really. Right. Probably. Mm -hmm. Um Brohane will say, and it does concern me that he clearly made some sort of deal with some powerful entity that we don't know anything about. Yeah, the fact that he was a warlock is quite fascinating and also horrifying at the same time. And the fact that none of us on the Voidfarer knew. You you all never had even a slight guess or a clue that he could be a warlock? He was an accomplished fighter, and in the end, before he left, he was obsessed with learning more about the Voidfarer and its origin, uh, that was pretty well known. And it's it's got to an intensity that made many of the crew uncomfortable. Many thought he might have been going mad, but if he, if he was a warlock, he did a damn good job of making sure no one knew about it. I cannot believe a warlock could exist for so long and not fire off at least one Eldritch Blast. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I've known a lot of warlocks in my time, and my god, those those things go off every, like, two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can't look in a direction without just letting an Eldritch Blast fly. <laughs> yeah, just letting one loose. <laughs> so, I don't know. Feels like we're uh, stumbling onto more questions than answers. Well, I guess we can find answers in both of the locations that was given, but, I mean... I guess on the one end, I mean, Afegos couldn't wouldn't be the worst place to go to, it just... Maybe it's just a hunch that I feel like this, that the Lysithium Iconis is more important. You know, in truth, it might just be paranoia. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, nobody's going to argue with you if you were looking for someone to argue with you, Marco. <laughs> I don't know if that probably doesn't feel good. Oh, but... <laughs> oh no, not at all. I'm just uh, sitting here debating with myself. And I mean, thanks for thanks for, you know, reifying my thought process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all a little paranoid, so it's fine. Everyone needs a sounding board sometimes. It's good that we're here for each other. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the uh, the whole moon hammers, and it just feels very... I don't know. I, I, I don't even believe in destiny, so I don't even know why I'm worried about this. So, I don't know. Maybe Nafagos, Lysithium, Iconis. They're both there. They're not going anywhere. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, we can figure out what's next when we... Finish this leisurely ride and get back on the void fairer and see what Val wants to do. Think Scriv came up with as many jokes as you have dirty limericks there, uh Luck Peak. There once was a man from Faerun <laughs> who could hire a girl for a tune. He I haven't finished this one yet either. Anyway, I got the first two lines of like a bunch, so he probably got more poems. <laughs> Maybe. So you Maybe did the easy up. part of every single okay, one. Okay, hold on. There once was a man from Faerun who could hire a gal for a tune, but he sang really bad, and once she saw what he had, 
He was on the hook for a gold or two. Mm. Fuck, I can't land it. I can't land any of them. I got to do the... Uh, Maybe workshop that yeah, one a little uh, bit listen, more. We still have a full day. I mean, he pushed me. He pushed me to finish it, and that's not what art is. <laughs> that's, art don't have no deadline. That's better than I would have done. Yeah? Can I hear one of yours? <laughs> no. All right, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to no and that yep. one. Of no and. I think that's well that in classic character. improv tool. No and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So you guys settle down for the evening, helping Luckbeak workshop his limericks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you get to rest and the next day comes and continue onward. And the last leg of your journey is pretty uneventful. You'll still see the occasional like large shambling horde of skeletons and zombies, but they just whiz right by without paying you any mind. And the gnomes are very confused by this, by the way, because they don't know anything about what you guys did, but they're not complaining by any measure, just confused. (laughs) (laughs) But after, uh, after a good part of the next day, you begin making your final approach to the storm's eye and camshaft who is now taken back over at the wheel will shout over his shoulder saying all right we're coming up on storm's eye so we'll get in there uh everybody can relax a little bit and we'll swap out these cores and we'll be uh good to go in a couple hours oh we might not be able to relax a little bit marco says to himself <laughs> all right uh i look i look over to luck begins like luck um please don't go near to diago this time yeah, uh, maybe I'll just stay on the ship. That's probably a wise decision. I'll bring you a drink. All right, thank you. <laughs> Luckbeak doesn't want to get in trouble for stealing his super cool quill. <laughs> hey, it's helping me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you guys prepare for your arrival, kind of grab your bags and, and stuff. And you guys can see the storm in front of you gets a little bit clearer and clearer and clearer as the force field around the storm rig gets closer and closer to the break in the storm that is Storm's Eye. And you breach into the archaeological dig site once more. Except it is in complete ruin. Tents are strewn and scattered. The small makeshift buildings are crumbled and destroyed. You do not see anyone moving amongst the rubble, and the gnomes are, like, wide-eyed and terrified. You can make out across the rubble to where the dig site was that took up about a third of this circular break in the storm, and most of the dig site is just gone. In its place, a gigantic, irregular-shaped sinkhole. God. By by the gods. (laughs) Camshaft rolls the storm rig to a stop, and uh, Lugnut is going to say, Alright, I don't know what happened here, um, but uh, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think we should be staying here as long as we need to, so we're going to get those cores swapped out. It's still going to take us probably the better part of an hour to get them all if we rush. There might be survivors out there. We need to at least go check and see if there's anyone still alive. Locke is going to say, I agree. I guess uh, volunteers? I'll go. Locke steps up. I kind of peek my head above deck and I'm like, oh, oh, hey, uh, maybe I can make it up to these guys. All right, I'll go. (laughs) uh, 
Marco's gonna uh, look, kind of looks at Luckby, kind of with the look of like, you don't need to worry about getting arrested anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Brohane is gonna say, I'll stay here with the gnomes. And Brawl will say, I'll do the same. Not gonna be much use anyway. So uh, the gnomes and Gadmund and his dwarves are gonna stay behind. So it'll be you three and Locke. Okay. Okay. Um, Where should we check first? I think the first thing that Marco is at least going to do is just. Um, just kind of scream hello. Is there anybody alive out there? Um, Locke is any call and response. Locke is gonna glare at him and say, "We don't know what did this, and it might be just as likely to hear as any survivors are." Um, Marco is just gonna kind of nod and then move forward. Haven't you seen Jurassic Park three? <laughs> <laughs> should we should we check the tent first? The archaeological dig site is now a sea of broken and tattered tents. So, uh, which tent do you mean? I meant the tent with, of course, the old artifacts and stuff in it where they were being kept. <laughs> that isn't far from the main thoroughfare. I, I just point out, should we check that area first? Well, I mean, I guess it's a start. Good a place as any. Huh. All right. You get to that tent. Luckbeak and the sailcloth awning is completely ripped away and uh, most of the boxes of artifacts that were being cataloged are kind of smashed and there's just a bunch of debris here but if you want to look for particular things you can make an investigation check I mean Ravnus is just looking for like people so yeah, same. does she okay. need an investigation check? You guys can both make perception checks I imagine Luckbeak is going to look for things yeah. Uh, that's a 19 for Ravnus. That is a 12 for Marco. 12 for Luckbeak as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You see a small glint of something metallic in the rubble. It appears to be a medallion, and it, it is one you've seen before. Sure. I'll um, pocket it without uh, examining it or anything. And uh, in that same like pile of rubble, uh, there also appears to be a bracelet of some sort. Can I take that too? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. Ravness, uh, you're kind of scanning the horizon. Let me see what Locke got. Oh, Locke, uh, Locke isn't paying attention. <laughs> I think Locke is distracted by Luckbeak. <laughs> like, oh, I think there might be someone in here. <laughs> like shiny thing. Uh, Ravness, you see motion dart between the remains of uh, a tent and some rubble, probably about 30, 40 feet away. Um, she is going to um, put a hand on her sword and, and point out, be like, something's moving out there. Looks over. Did you get a good look at it? Whatever it is. What did she like see? Did it look like a, like a humanoid? It was out of the corner of your eye, so it was just kind of like more of just like a motion. Um, but it, it was about like the size of a, like it could have been a person. Yeah, she's like, I don't know. I didn't really get a look at it. It moved pretty quick. Um, she um, is going to start going in that direction. I'll follow behind uh, Ravnus. I mean, once I realize what's happening, I'll follow them as well. Yep. Um, okay. So you head in that direction. Locke has his uh, two of his pistols drawn. You kind of like slowly work your way through the rubble here. And Ravnus, you turn a corner and suddenly you see Ezerath. And she looks panicked. It's you. Listen, 
You have to follow me. Now. Why? I'll explain in a minute. You can't be here. Insight check. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna... Do not trust. Okay, that is 15 plus insight, which is nothing. So 15. She is definitely freaked about something. And it doesn't appear that she's trying to trick you or anything. Um, but you get the distinct impression that she feels she and by extension all of you are in a very grave danger right now. All right. Yeah. Hand back on the sword and uh, Ravenous will follow her. Same. I think I will ask as we're walking, is there anybody else alive? That's what I was out here looking for. So this happened recently? It happened the day before yesterday. We've been struggling to piece together exactly what happened and find any survivors. I'll explain more when we're safe. Come on. She is going to head towards the excavation area. And as you guys approach, you can see that this massive sinkhole is like taking up like half of the excavated area. You can see that there are parts of the ancient structures of this town that once stood here, almost hanging out into the side of it. And as you approach, you can see that the edges of this massive hole seem to show signs of corrosion. May I make a check to see if this looks like an explosion, if this looks like, like something caved in or something came out? You can make an arcana check. Okay, so that is a dirty 20, non-nat 20. Sure. The corrosion on the edge of the hole um, definitely seems to uh, be caused by a very caustic acid. And that makes sense because now that you're observing the hole, it, you don't see like any big chunks of rubble that were displaced out of this hole. Mm. Um, it looks like whatever caused this hole like just deteriorated the earth. And from this, you can't tell if it was something going in or something coming out. Um, I'm going to take out like one of my little bottles from my little magician's kit. I'm going to kind of like scoop up some of the like earth and like acid mixture sure just to potentially like you know study later yeah there's no like standing acid or anything but you can scoop some dust and bits of rock into a vial okay so yeah i'll just do that as quick as i can cork it and keep walking sure Ezerath actually leads you to the the stairs that descend down below this was the path that you took to go down into the chamber that had the adamantine seal in it okay uh um and she's moving at a very brisk pace that it's almost you guys are almost getting a little winded trying to keep up with her she leads you through these tunnels and you do get to that chamber and you actually find that that chamber was on the edge of the sinkhole half of that chamber is now gone and just looking out into the sinkhole in fact you, from here you can actually look up and see the swirling storm um above from this vantage point and the seal is completely gone leaving a circular hole in the ground. It's like a well, almost. And the thing that you notice is the interior of this well does not look like the earth around it. Um, it almost looks somewhat organic. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> you see that there's a, a rope ladder that seems to have already been affixed to a piece of rock in here that descends down this shaft. And she'll start climbing down. She's like, come on, this way. Wait, Ezerath, are there any illithid creatures wandering around right now? Something like that. Oh, I don't like something like that. The longer we <laughs> stay here, the faster they will find us. 
what about the others on the storm rig? There's others? Yes, our entire storm rig. There's an entire dwarf mining team. There's the gnomes. Uh, Brohane. You know, all the people that we were with before. And, and then some extra? Look, just follow me. We'll figure out what to do with them as quickly as we can. Uh, Ezerath says, have, like, doing, like, quick calculations in her head. <laughs> um, is Ravenous's sword glowing? What's the range on it? Oh, 120 feet. Okay. Your sword is not glowing. Although, Marco, you do notice that your, your cube is now vibrating like crazy, like it was last time you were here. Um, all right, before I go, um, Nick, do you think that I have the, and if it's not, that's fine, but if I had the time to run back to the storm rig? It, from the way Azeroth is acting is you don't. Okay. Um, then I'm just going to move on, roll the dice. Yeah. So Azeroth is going to head down this rope ladder and it, it descends probably about like 40 feet. Uh, you definitely get the distinct impression that this passageway was designed for a creature that can float. Um, and in fact, the ground of the chamber that you land in is curved, like you land in a perfectly cylindrical like tunnel. Locke uses the rope ladder, but almost braces himself against the other side of the shaft, just so not all of his weight is on the ladder. <laughs> uh, but he, he gets to the bottom as well. And Ezerath will lead you um, probably another hundred feet or so. This chamber curves around. You pass several large circular um doors question mark um they look like giant iris sphincter openings <laughs> more than any doors that you've ever seen before <laughs> i don't like that at all yeah neither of us are a fan there's mind flares but this is the biggest bad touch so far of the episode <laughs> the doors are sphincters um <laughs> we might die but i have to touch a butthole <laughs> There's other sphincters in the body. Okay. What's the first one you think of? <laughs> so. The one in um, your heart. <laughs> you are immediately, um, as uh, Ezareth's like slows and is uh, entering a large chamber at the end of this corridor, hit with a, a smell of decay, but also like this, like embalming chemical smell mm. and also like this like earthy mustiness and the chamber that you enter is a large circular domed chamber the floor in here is flat uh and you can see that there are several other perfectly circular tunnels heading off in a few different directions including a few that go upwards at different angles from this chamber and in the center of this chamber seems to be a like oval shaped pool and you can see that there is a putrid green fluid in it and huge lumpy chunks of squishy gray matter like material Ugh. and there are other people here you see kind of milling about in what appears to be a makeshift camp in this very gross room you see uh, anthropologist colette you see Diego Vasco in his wheelchair, um, and he seems to be poring over notes that have been kind of set up on a crate. Um, and you see Lieutenant Wilda Taft, the, the gift woman who warned you about Locke. 
and you see uh, probably about a dozen or so other unnamed <laughs> uh, archaeologists oh, kind of milling about. Yeah. And you know, Marco, that there was like probably almost 100 people at this archaeological dig. And if this is all the survivors, then it's bad. So, but Ezerath is going to turn to you and say, all right, we should be safe here. Diago, what, what the hell happened here? Ah, Marco, you guys returned. You returned. That's great. You came on the storm rig. Yes, yes, we came on the storm rig. We, it's, up, right. it's up top. He he seems to like breathe a sigh of relief. I'm like, there might be hope yet then. We can get out of this. That is the general idea, but we should probably get going. What the hell's going on here? Diego looks like a little bit ashamed. And interestingly, so does Ezerath a little bit. And he'll say, the amulet that you brought, we used it and it unlocked the seal. And, oh. And Ezerath goes, it is my fault. I should have seen. I thought, I thought that the ancient Githzerai were trying to keep others out, but this was a defense to keep something in. And let me guess, there's a lot of, uh, a lot that was being kept in. Yes. Well, it doesn't appear that there are any living Alithid that we can tell. Oh, that's... Not in the sense that you would think of one, at least. Are you inferring that these are dead? No. Okay. Do you know what a Neothalid is? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Says I, both of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she nods, and she goes... It appears that when the ancient Gezerai eradicated this this colony, they were unable to thoroughly destroy all of the tadpoles. And rather than do so, they placed a seal to keep what those tadpoles might become from escaping. Um. So when the seal was broken, not one, but five Neothalids the only surviving members of the pod that was here when the Githzerai wiped this colony escaped. Starved by flesh and psionic energy for millennia, they burst out and immediately started wreaking havoc. They can sense creatures with sentient intelligence within a mile. That's why I brought you here. And she kind of gestures to the decaying something floating in the pole in the center of this room. Um, this is what remains of this colony's elder brain. Hmm. It's millennia old, but it still is giving off a base psionic signal as it decays. Powerful enough that it is masking our individual brainwaves. The Neothalids can't find us here. Um, I kind of look back to probably Luck, Luck Beak, and Ravnus, and I'm just going to say, I think that we should go and try to figure out the storm rig situation on the way. Locke is going to say, the gnomes will still need time to swap the core, so we're not going to be able to go anywhere. We cannot do that in the storm at all, even with the anomaly of the zombies not attacking us. We may be able to cut some corners, but it's still going to take time. We're not going to be able to roll out instantly. Either way, those people up there are in danger. Yeah. Um, Diego is going to roll over here in his chair and say, well, we can go up there and give them a warning and see what we can do to buy them some time. If the storm rig can't roll out of here, none of us can leave. Um, 
I mean, it sounds like we ain't got a choice, do we? Locke is actually going to ask, what is one of these uh, neo-thalids anyway? He asks, like, in the direction of Marco or Ezerath, but he knows Marco better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know a lot about neo-thalids, but I do know that they're tadpole-like creatures that if they are not cared for, they tend to grow into very large, horrific beasts that are very exceptionally destructive. Ezerath will nod. It's what happens when a Mind Flayer tadpole doesn't get implanted in a host to create a new Mind Flayer. Left to its own devices, the tadpole grows into a gigantic worm, highly violent and very dangerous. It is basically what happens when the reproduction cycle of the Mind Flayers goes awry. Uh, but so so they, these, are, these are just like feral children? No. Think of think of a worm the size of a building. Oh, so they're real big feral children. Yeah. Very All hungry right. and very ravenous. Well, we got a very ravenous of our own. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was ready I was, for somebody else. <laughs> I, to I wasn't going to do it myself. <laughs> uh, I, I was waiting for ravenous to go, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just looked up what those are and uh those those really suck. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up as well. Yeah, my uh, my brain worked before my mouth did on that one, but I was using one in a campaign, another campaign, and I know how shitty they can be. There's five somewhere around Yeah. Here. I don't like that number. I only have one, Nick. What the hell with you? <laughs> Ra- Ravenous has been pretty quiet this whole, this whole exchange, but she is like... Her eyes are kind of wider than normal, and she is like white knuckle gripping uh, her sword, which she had, you know, had before. Like, she is not happy about, you know, what's going down here. Yeah, and and I would imagine just standing in what was once a mind flare colony just kind of makes your skin crawl on a, on a, like, very visceral level. Yeah, she is like, I hate this so much Ezerath, what are these neolithids method of attacking are they coming out from the ground or can we see them coming um it doesn't appear that they can naturally burrow but they can use their acidic bile to tunnel if they need to it takes time they're not natural they're not like purple worms or other worm creatures that can burrow through the earth um Once on the surface, they will slither on the surface unless they can uh, slowly erode away a a tunnel. If that's the case, then we can potentially see them coming. I think that we need to go in and form the others now. Uh, I agree, uh, Diego says. He's going to turn and say uh, to uh, anthropologist Colette and the other uh, seeker archaeologists. All right, you all stay here. Colette, you're in charge. Um, stay safe. We'll come back for you when it's time to leave. And then he'll turn to the group of you saying, I'm coming with you. All right. Then let's do it. Oh, okay. All of us are going. None of us are staying here with you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to say, I think this is a volunteer mission. No, I know. I know. And I like look at Locke and I'm like, all right, let's, we got to do this. All right. All right. Let's go. Luck be, being a big damn hero. <laughs> Tiny damn hero. <laughs> All right, you guys head back the way you came and get back to the rope ladder and begin climbing. 
Diego touches a small crystal that's embedded in the armrest of his wheelchair, and it begins floating up the shaft on its own. Diego's really fucking baller right now, I'm just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get back up and follow the, the tunnel back up to the surface and book it as quickly as you can back to the storm rig. And you see that a bunch of the dwarves are now standing around the storm rig, kind of stretching their legs, um, keeping an eye out because obviously something bad happened here, but um, they seem to be generally pretty relaxed. Brawla, in fact, is like sitting with her feet like kicked up on the railing of the storm rig while the gnomes uh, are in the process of replacing the um, alchemical cores that power the the ship, the storm rig. It's not a ship. I'm not Luckbeak. I know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Saker. Luckbeak knows. <laughs> uh-huh. Does he though? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so as you guys uh, are approaching, um, with, I imagine, panicked expressions on your face, uh, Brohane, who's sitting on the back of Vera, will perk up and go, what's going on? Is there any other survivors? Yes, but that's uh, not important right now. Um, we are in grave danger. Grave danger? From what? I looks over to Diego or Ezerath. Uh... At that moment... Ravnus, you realize your sword is glowing. Um, she is going to grip her sword and, and pull it out and be like, I think we have company. And moments after that, uh, after Ravnus pulls her sword and you see this faint purple glow along its length, you see bursting over the top of the rubble of a nearby structure, the serpentine body lifting its head probably about 30 feet into the air. Its mouth, which is currently closed, like the closed bud of a flower, bursts open four ways, almost Stranger Things Demogorgon style, and revealing a lamprey-like mouth in its center, and tentacles come shooting out. And that is where we'll pick up next time. Yay! Yeah, you, you have to start with that noise again. <laughs> and that's again for our ASMR listeners. <laughs> it's the evening of Halloween. Trick-or-treating is in full swing across the neighborhood. Pillowcases and buckets shaped to look like jack-o'-lanterns are filling with candy. In all the hustle and bustle, two children take a shortcut through the woods. However, no matter how long they walk... They never reach the expected break in the trees. The sun sets in the sky and the wind whistles through the red and yellow leaves. The children meet new friends, woodland creatures, scarecrows, and other strange denizens of the woods. Still, they must find their way home. The Fiend is coming. Fables Around the Table Lost premieres January 27th wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Cliff, and welcome to Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Join us every second and fourth Monday of each month as I join my friends Ben, Hazir, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Serial, as we explore the wide world of Castia, seeking out the juiciest long-forgotten secrets, and share some hearty laughs in this D&D 5th edition real play podcast. It's like a rib burn-off, <laughs> but in a fantasy world. If there's something to be done for some coin, they've probably already handled it. I travel to entertain and to do other things. <laughs> <laughs> For more information about taverns, travel, and tests, and all of the other great shows on the Project Derailed Network, visit projectderailed.com and look for us wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Projectderailed.com